Hey guys, you're listening to the Simple Power Podcast, where we think practically about the presence and the power of God. I'm your host, Duke Lamastra. Really grateful that you clicked to listen to this week's episode. This week, I've got a question for you. Here's the question. What do you think was the source of Jesus' success during his earthly ministry? That's the question. We're going to jump into that in just a second. But just before we get there, it's always my, my goal to resource you and equip you to grow in your relationship with God, specifically in this area of experiencing his presence and his power. So I just want to point your attention to my online media platform, simplepowermedia.com. We've got resources there that will help you to grow in the areas of hearing God's voice, experiencing his power, power for healing, for miracles, believing for the supernatural, all kinds of stuff like that and more. All right. So I'm asking you the question, what do you think was the source of Jesus' success during his earthly ministry, during his time on the earth? Because Jesus gave us a perfect example to follow because he, he demonstrated the Father perfectly. And all that he did, he came to demonstrate the Father. Jesus showed us perfectly, not just how to minister, but how to treat people in general and how to live life. He gave us a perfect example to follow. But the question is, what was the source of his success on earth? Now, some people would say, well, he was God. And I agree with you. Jesus was God. He never stopped being God. He's always been God. He is the eternally self-existent God. Jesus didn't just show up when he was born of, 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 of the Virgin Mary. That's not when he showed up. He always has been. John 1, 1, talking about Jesus, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always been, and he's always been God. While he walked on this earth, he was God, but he was also fully man. And he came as the perfect representation of the Father, but he also came to demonstrate to humanity what it looks like to be a man, uh, and, and this applies to women as well, of course, to be a person <laughs> living under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River, that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came and rested upon him and remained upon him. Jesus went through his entire earthly ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwelt Jesus in a way that the Holy Spirit had not indwelt anybody else up to that point. But now as believers, as sons and daughters of God, the moment that we come into the family of God and we give our lives to Jesus, that our spirit is made alive and the spirit of God comes to live inside of us. He takes up residence within us. And so we have that indwelling presence of God within us. Now it's another issue entirely to become aware, to live aware of the presence of God that we carry. And that's a discussion for another day. But Jesus lived his life that way. Jesus modeled to us what it's like to live your life completely dependent on the spirit of God, on the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, even though he was always God, he never stopped being God. He never stopped being God. And and you can tell that he never stopped being God because even when he was in his earthly state, even when he took on the likeness of sinful flesh, he never sinned. He never he never had sin personally, but he took on the likeness of sinful flesh. That even then, he was worthy of worship. People came and worshipped him. They fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And he didn't stop them. 
But while he was on the earth, he was also fully man. And he did not operate out of his own intrinsic divine power. He relied on the power of the Holy Spirit because he was demonstrating to us what it's like to live life dependent on the Holy Spirit. And here's something that's so interesting about Jesus. And you'll find verses all over the place. I'm actually going to read to you several verses just to kind of give you an idea here. For example, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says of Jesus that he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That Jesus himself, that the Son of God, that the perfect one, the one who is without sin, that he would get away from the crowds of people, from the multitudes of people, from the busyness of life. And look, if you if you want to find somebody who was busy, who had a lot to do, Jesus had plenty to do. Jesus could have been the busiest person that we've ever met, that we've ever seen. He could have been, but he chose, he made decisions to step away from the busyness. And I think, here's the deal. I think, well, this is something that I realized in my own life, that I, I felt like I was only successful to the extent that I was busy. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't realize that that wasn't a conscious decision that I made to live like that, but I realized after evaluating my life and ministry, I I looked back and I was like, you know what? I feel so much better about myself when I'm like overloaded, when I feel like I'm being as effective as I possibly can, when I'm doing as much things, when I have a ton of stuff on my plate, when I'm just like here blessing, you know, feeling like I'm being a blessing to, to, you know, different groups of people. And we're like, I'm like maxed out. That's when I feel like I'm being successful. That's where I feel like I can be happy with my, with what I'm doing for the kingdom of God. And it's so not true. It's such a deceptive thing. There's nothing wrong with having seasons where you're, where you're busy. I mean, you're working on a project, you're working on, you know, whatever it might be. You know, if you're, I've, I've worked with different churches, you know, putting conferences on and things like that. And when you're in that crunch time, it's like, you got to work, you got to get those things done. And I get that. But I'm talking about an identity issue at the core where you feel like you're only successful or you're only as valuable as you are occupied, that you're only valuable to the extent that you're doing stuff, that you're performing. And that's how when I evaluate my life, that's that's how I I felt for a very long time. And to be honest with you, that's still a struggle that goes on in my mind sometimes when I'm not when I'm not aware of it, when I'm not paying attention. And so that's what leads to burnout, and that's what leads to frustration in so many different things. But the nature of God is so rooted in this idea of rest, that Jesus himself, that when he completed his work that he came to do, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he lives in a perpetual state of rest, and he invites us into his rest. Hebrews chapter 4, he invites us into his rest into the rest of God. We get to live in and experience his rest and his life and his peace and everything that he came to do for us. Like we live in the finished works of Jesus Christ, but it's when we feel like we've got to do and we've got to go and we've got to perform and we've got to run, we've got to do all these different things in order to be effective or even let's go deeper than that in order to feel like we're accepted, like we're acceptable to God. Like we have his favor because we're doing a lot of good things. That's just completely contrary to what Jesus came to accomplish for us. Okay, so he wants us to experience his rest. Jesus could have been 
as busy because people were always after him. They were always following. He would go to a place and he would like have a couple people around him and then he would start teaching and it would just be flooded with all of these people. Multitudes would just follow him. He'd go from one place to another and they would be following him. He always had work to do. He always had people to minister to, to talk to. But here's the deal. Luke 5, 16, he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And I believe that this is, or this was, the source of Jesus's success on earth in his earthly ministry, that he found time to just get away, to separate himself, and to be with his Father. Because again, Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to move, to minister, to heal people, to do everything supernatural and miraculous that he did. I mean, let me just give you this verse. This is kind of my key verse. And there's a couple of them, and I'll read some more just to kind of give you guys some more uh, stuff to think about. But in John chapter 5, 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son, capitalized S, Son, can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And I like to put this verse along with it. It's John five thirty. So 11 verses later, He said, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. So he says, I can only do what I see the father do or I only do. Yeah, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. And then he says, I can of myself do nothing. This is Jesus talking, saying, I can't do anything of myself. Why? Because he chose to live his life in full dependence on the Spirit of God who lived within him and rested upon him. He chose to live his life dependent on the direction of his Father, under the authority, under the will of his Father. That's how he chose to live. And so he says, I don't do anything that I don't see my Father do. That means that every time, every blind eye that Jesus opened, every time that he spoke to somebody who is in need, every time, like when he called Zacchaeus out of that state that he was in and, and he ministered to this man that no one else cared about, that, no, that you know, this, this man that by the admission of his own mouth that he had wronged people. Right. And so he based on his profession and based on everything about him, he was not somebody that was well liked by society. He was hated. And whatever was going on in that guy's life, he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus spoke prophetically to him and called him out and he brought restoration and salvation into that man's life. He changed his life, you know, stuff like that. Everything that Jesus did, he did it because he saw his father doing it. He only did what he saw his father do. He only spoke the words that he heard his father speak. He lived his life dependent upon the spirit of God. Let me just read you a couple more verses here. Luke 6, this is in Luke 6, verses 12 and 13. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Yeah, Jesus prayed all night. (laughs) And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Hold on. So when Jesus started choosing his apostles, when Jesus started calling out the 12 disciples, he did that after a night of prayer, after a night of engaging with his father in prayer. 
Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. He sent the multitudes away and went up on the mountain. by. You'll find often that Jesus would go up on the mountain by himself to pray. He would find time to go and to be alone with his father. I'm sure that as Jesus walked through life, that as he walked through his day, that he was being led by the Spirit of God. I'm sure he was having that ongoing prayer and communion and devotional type relationship with his Father throughout the day. And that's great. But he also found time to just get away from everything else, to get away from everybody else, to cut out all other distractions and just to be alone with his Father. Mark 1.35, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now listen to this in um, Luke 22, and uh, I'm not going to read all these verses, but uh, in verses, it's basically verses 39 through 46. It's when Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray. And it's when he's he's in this place of agony. He's in this place of agony because it's the night of his betrayal. And so he knows that his betrayal is, is well, the betrayal is already underway, but he knows he's about to be delivered up to be crucified, that this whole process of, of his crucifixion is about to begin. And he goes to this place to pray and he goes there with his disciples and He goes to pray and it says that he's just, he's in absolute agony. And actually in Matthew chapter 26, it's talking about the same thing. And Jesus uses this phrase. He's like, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. This is Jesus. This is the son of God talking. My soul is extremely sorrowful even to the point of death. And so Jesus is praying, but here's the deal. He invited his disciples to pray. He says, watch and pray. He says, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And so Jesus is in this agony and he's praying and he's praying and he's saying things to his father like, hey, if it's possible that this cup could pass from me, If there's another way, God, let it be. He's being real with God. He's in that place. He's not just being all like super spiritual and and like pious and, you know, all this stuff. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is when you communicate with your heavenly father. It's when you communicate with God. When you, you know, and there's times to intercede and there's times to be intense and there's times that, you know, there's times for all kinds of different things. But when I'm talking about prayer and being alone with God, I'm talking about in that place of intimacy, in the secret place where you cultivate that relationship with the father, the reference for the secret place, uh, you'll find it in Matthew chapter six, but it's that place of intimacy, that place of of, of oneness and stillness with God, where you live in union with Christ. You really do. But we all need those times where we step aside and we just kind of focus in on him. And I really believe that that was the, that that was the source, at least a very big component in the life of Jesus for why he was able to be so successful in his ministry to others is that he always found time to get away and to be with his father, to see what his father was doing and to cultivate that personal relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting that in this story here in Luke chapter 22, that Jesus, in his intense agony, (laughs) my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death, that we find him in prayer, that we find him communicating and talking with his Father. But then he tells the disciples to pray with him. He's like, pray. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. 
But then when Jesus gets up and he goes back to the disciples, he finds that they're asleep. And it says this, this, this phrase, um, in Luke's account, it says that they were sleeping from sorrow, that they were sorrowful. I mean, Jesus was sorrowful, but they were also sorrowful, but it says that they were sleeping. They were sleeping. They were overwhelmed. They were exhausted, whatever was going on. But the result of their sorrow was to sleep. And it's so funny, you know, I think that so often when, when we, when we get sorrowful, you know, when we're under something, when we've got weight on our shoulders, you know, what do we do? Where do we go with that? Do we go with just what seems best with us? Or do we go back to the, our, place of, our, our place of strength, our source of strength, which is the Father? Because here's the point. Every ounce of Jesus' strength, power, and effectiveness during his time on earth came from the presence of his Father. He modeled a lifestyle of dependence on God. He did. That's what he modeled to us. He modeled to us a lifestyle of dependence on our heavenly father and every single, every bit of his strength, his power, his effectiveness, the things that he was able to do and perform, the, the, all the miracles that he was able to perform and everything that he did, it was harvested in this place of intimacy with God. It was harvested in the secret place. His power, his strength on earth was derived from the presence of his father. And I just simply want to tell you that that is the same power, that is the same presence that is available to you right now, that you have access to your heavenly father. You have access to him every single moment of every single day and that you get to live in that awareness of his presence. And it really is, I, I've, been, I've been just recognizing more and more in my own personal life how simple it is to just walk with him and to become aware of the fact that he's right there with you. It's as simple as making a shift in your mind to recognize, you know what, God, I am in your presence right now. Your presence rests upon me and I actually carry the presence of Jesus within me. That that same power that raised Jesus from the grave, that the same power that Jesus moved in when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that same power that Jesus moved in when he spoke prophetically into the lives of so many people, when he set people free, when he cleansed the lepers, when he cast out the demons, when he did all those things, that same power is available to you and to me. And it's actually an invitation of God. Jesus says, look, you have freely received, so freely give. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching and admonishing, all these things. He, he demonstrated it for us, and then he handed the baton to us, and he's like, as I've done, as I've showed you, the things that I've taught you, the things that I've modeled and demonstrated to you, now you go. Go into all the world, and you do these things. It doesn't mean that you've got to be a minister behind a pulpit. It doesn't mean going to all the world doesn't mean that you've got to go to a foreign mission field and be a missionary somewhere. Right there where you are, wherever God has you stationed in life, you have a sphere of influence. That is your mission field, whether it's the marketplace, whether it is a ministry of some kind, whether it's a combination of both, whether it's your family, whether whatever it is that you have a sphere of influence and therefore you have a mission field and God has called you to to walk in and to experience his presence and his power 
in your daily life and the power of God flows through you to be a blessing to those that are around you. And so all you have to do is look at Jesus, what he did, what he modeled. Where did Jesus's power and effectiveness for ministry really come from? It came from the source of it all, his heavenly father. It came from the presence of God. It came from communing with God, seeing what God was doing, being in tune with the heart of God, and then walking that out and flowing in that throughout his daily life, living in dependence on the Heavenly Father. And that is the same invitation that's available to you and to me. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week. Again, really appreciate your time. Make sure you check out some of those other resources that are available to you at simplepowermedia.com. Again, I'd love to connect with you on social media. If you have any questions or comments or anything like that, I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much again. Have an awesome week.